Hey everybody, today I am chatting with Nicolette Garcia. She is the Director of Development with the Alzheimer's Association here in New Mexico. I've known Nicolette for a while now and she's definitely one of those people that has superhuman capacities for getting things done. She's definitely the exact kind of person you'd wanna have on your team. And she's absolutely the kind of person that we want fighting for a cause like Alzheimer's awareness and research. So I'm real excited to chat with her today. Thanks for joining me, Nicolette. Ken, wow. I mean, with that introduction, I mean, <laughs> first of all, you're making my year. I haven't had an introduction like that in a long time, but thank you for all those kind words. I don't know if I deserve that, but I appreciate it. And I'm really, really happy to be here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about what's going on with the association and um, dive into it. I think it's very well deserved. I've observed your work for a few years now and uh, it's pretty amazing to watch you go. So for those that don't know you, um, can you tell us a little bit about your role with the association and in particular, what was it that sparked a passion within you to work for this cause and this organization? Sure, yeah. So. My role as Director of Development, um, the primary function of my department is fundraising. It is to fuel our mission. Um, we do lots of different events to fundraise and to fuel um, all the things that we are trying to accomplish with the Alzheimer's Association. And um, we can chat a little bit about that in a little bit, but what got me involved. So I came from a background, my career was in government, international relations, that's kind of what my education background is in. And um, while I was attending college, my grandfather, um, as he was aging, he started to develop cognitive decline. And at first, we weren't really too, um, no one was really too worried about it. It seemed like normal, natural memory loss. Um, then the agitation would start happening and kind of like the personality changes. And um, I knew nothing of Alzheimer's at that time. Like I said, I was an undergraduate at UNM. Um, I just knew that there was something going on with my grandfather. And um, I ended up being my grandfather's primary caregiver the last four years of his life, day and night, 24 seven. And it changed my life forever. I definitely was on a path to work in government. And when my grandfather passed away, I did that for a while. And I woke up one day and decided, no, I don't want another family to have to go through what my family went through. I don't want another person to have to lose themselves before they're actually gone, right? And I don't want another person to have to be a caregiver the way I was because I did not like myself for the feelings I had, those natural feelings when you're a caregiver of frustration and anger and um, resentment and then the guilt that comes along with those feelings because you just feel like your life has been, not only has your loved one's life been stolen, but your life has also been stolen because mm -hmm. they need that 24-7 care, right? Um, and when you, you know, leave them or when you are not with them, you feel guilty about it, you know? And, you know, my grandfather passed away from um, complications to the flu. He passed away in the middle stages of the disease. Mm. And I wasn't there when he contracted the flu. 
And I still live with that guilt to this day. I think if only I had been there, you know, why did you take a, why did you take time off? Why were you doing these things? You know, and that guilt is just, I, I, um, have come a long way since then though. I've, I've, through the resources of the the Alzheimer's Association, I have realized with support groups and some of the other, you know, grief counseling that I've taken that it's, it's natural. It's okay. It was time. And he was suffering, you know, and there was nothing I could have done to keep him here longer. And, um, and I'm okay with that now, but it's, like I said, it changed my life and it brought me to the association. And, um, ever since I've come on board as a team member, I have just been determined to do everything we possibly can in New Mexico to help families, to fund research, and to um, change change state policies to be more supportive of and um, uh, well, supportive of families who are in need. So that's my that's my story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, and, I, and I'm glad to hear that you know coming um, you know coming back around and and working with folks has. I'm, I'm sure like it's proved to be, you know, a, a very helpful two-way street as you're providing the expertise that you've learned, you know, being in the trenches, caregiving for so long, but then you're also getting perspective from, from people who are doing the same. And for some reason, we're just so much harder on ourselves yeah. than we need to be, you know, uh, that, that guilt for those real emotions that we experience in those types of situations. When we see someone else going through those things, right. it's way easier for us to understand how normal it is. Whereas for us, sometimes we beat ourselves up about it. Right. But so, so I think seeing other people going through those challenges is healthy because it helps us to hopefully start to be more understanding with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And to show ourselves more patience, as we can see from a different perspective. But um, I know that Alzheimer's affects people all over the world. There's an estimated 5.8 million Americans age 65 and older living with Alzheimer's as Mm -hmm. of this year. What's the snapshot here in New Mexico look like? Uh, of people who are living with Alzheimer's. And as I understand it, it's not just those who are living with the disease that are tremendously affected. It's also mm-hmm. their families, as you've described. So what does it look like yeah. here in the state? Well, uh, officially, and this is kind of a difficult thing with stats, um, officially we have 43,000 New Mexicans diagnosed living with Alzheimer's. And I emphasize diagnosed officially because yeah. we know that um, people don't go to the doctor and get diagnosed, you know, and we believe that our state has um, a much higher number of people living with Alzheimer's or some form of dementia. And um, that's part of, you know, what we do as an association is to work with health systems, educate physicians, um, educate um, families on what are the 10 warning signs? What should you be looking for? How do you get a diagnosis? And why is it important? There's a lot of um, things that come along with getting an official diagnosis that'll help families. Um, They don't realize it, but there's a lot of, um, you know, what is it? The read the small print with insurance companies, where if you don't have an official uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis or some form of dementia diagnosis, you may be denied coverage for visits or for certain um, medications that are necessary, right? Um, you don't, it, there's a lot that goes into that. So 
Um, but in addition to that, yeah, we have 107,000 unpaid family caregivers for those 43,000 people living with um, some form of wow. dementia or Alzheimer's. And, and that's better when you think about this disease and how debilitating it is to the person and to the family, it's extraordinary because it doesn't just impact the individual and the caregiver, it impacts the whole family. There's financial costs, there's an emotional toll. Um, there, and this is kind of a reality too with um, families that are facing this where um, maybe the individual with the disease is being taken advantage of by certain family members or friends or other caregivers. And so there's a lot, that, there's a lot of dynamics at play yeah. um, with this disease and how it impacts the family and the community in general, you know, our whole state. And so that's what we're facing here in the state of New Mexico. Um, and we're, <laughs> the chapter's just trying to do our best to make sure we're getting all of our resources and our message out to those families that we're here. If you think uh, about those numbers per capita and you look at the rural landscape of New Mexico, they are really high. And then yeah, th those are really high numbers. Like I think that, of course, if you're you're looking across the the, the whole country, you know the number being 5.8 million. It sounds like we have a small fraction here, but we also have a smaller fraction of population in general. And so right. the the number of families that are affected in our state is really high. And then, you know, I think and too, it's growing. It's gr it's scary yeah, thing, but it's yeah. growing. We are an aging what they call like an aging community, an aging state. Um, we've been identified as kind of a hot spot for baby boomer retirees to move to. And that is going to change um, our senior healthcare industry in New Mexico, you know, because as seniors continue to age and develop diseases like Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, um, we need to be ready for that. And those numbers are gonna drastically change, we predict in the next decade. I think it's really important to how you highlight, you know, the the key of diagnosed cases in these statistics because that's something that I'm always talking about as well. Another thing due to the rural landscape is there's less access to doctors that would provide this type of diagnosis for people. We, you know, at home instead, we, uh, you know, we serve a lot of people in this northern New Mexico area, a lot of families. Um, and we have a high amount of the, a large amount of the people that we serve are showing signs of dementia in various stages. And a pretty small amount of them actually have a diagnosis. Mm. Like, you know, so it's, it's not, um, I think it's very common for, for families to, to see the signs, to know what it likely is, and to just, you know, just manage rather than, right. you know, seek a diagnosis. Although, right. you know, seeking a diagnosis may not be helpful necessarily for the family at certain stages, but sure. for statistics and for research, it is very helpful. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing to, in a rural area, it's tough, I think. Well, and that's, you brought up a good point about families being at different stages of acceptance and um, need and, what we see with the Alzheimer's Association here in New Mexico is many times families will will wait until they're kind of in crisis mode. They've kind of let it go on, um, maybe avoiding it or just not really thinking it's that big of an issue just yet. And they wait until they're in crisis mode. Um, and, and that's okay. 
because that's where we come in and we are here to help. We provide care consultations, we provide um, health system navigation, we help families um, develop a care plan for their loved one. It's so important and that's why that's part of our mission, um, you know, is pushing education, concern and awareness. That way families do realize the importance of getting a diagnosis and it's not just um, to have that official diagnosis to have it, it's because you now know what you're up against and there are resources for you to plan ahead. You know, um, those care plans, I can't emphasize those enough. Being, having a plan in place for your loved one for everything is so important. Most families do not do that and then they end up in um, difficult situations and um, we wanna help families avoid that. Absolutely. Another question that I have for you is what role does the Alzheimer's Association play when it comes to funding research and the search for treatments and hopefully one day a cure for Alzheimer's? Sure. Um, so let's, I love that you brought this up because um, the New Mexico chapter was not always part of the National Association. That's a recent thing. We merged about five or six years ago with the National Association. And when we did that, um, there's pros and cons, I think, to every merge um, as far as a company goes. And in this case, the pros definitely outweigh the cons, if any, if there are any, I don't see any. Um, but one of those things is our global impact on research. Um, the association recognizes and we are dedicated to enhancing care and support for families living and facing with this disease here in New Mexico, but that is only one pillar of our, of our association. We have six pillars and each pillar, you know, that's one of the things when I came on board with the association, I was just really blown away by how they have developed this structure to really have an impact on six different areas that when they're all put together, is, is, is pushing, fueling the mission and getting us one step closer to a world without Alzheimer's, right? So um, we have care and support, which is probably one of our most important pillars. Um, we are dedicated to enhancing care and support for families all over the country. Um, and what that means is that is providing, like I said, care consultations. Um, taking help desk calls, right? When people call, when people call in and they just need to be pointed in the right direction, or they just need someone to listen or answer a few questions, we're there for them for that. Um, when people want to create a, a care plan for their loved one, when people need to know how to navigate health systems or the ten signs, so all of the things I was talking about earlier, that's all incorporated in our care and support pillar. Mm -hmm. Now, we also have concern and awareness, which is really important all over the country, making people aware that there is a disease called Alzheimer's, and it's a form of dementia, and this is why you need to know about it, and this is how it is going to impact not only families in your community, but the community and possibly the city and the state at large, right? There's an economic, there's a negative economic impact from this disease. Mm -hmm. And so we run concern and awareness campaigns nationally and locally. Um, our third pillar is public policy. And a lot of people don't know that we do this kind of work. So it, it's something new to the association. And we are really, 
I've been blown away and really impressed by what we've been able to accomplish in our public policy pillar. Um, and what we do is the public policy branch is focused on local legislation at a state level, but also federal legislation. We're looking for um, government money for research, right? Government funding of research. We're looking for where can we improve or amend laws to protect families that are facing the disease or enhance their care. And so maybe it's regulations, maybe it's um, funding in different areas. Um, and so that is what our public policy branch uh, focuses on. And they've been able to accomplish amazing things. Here in New Mexico, two years ago, we um, were successful in amending the Silver Alert legislation, which for those of people that don't know what Silver Alert is, it works kind of like an Amber Alert now, but it didn't always do yeah. that. Um, that was part of our amendment. That was part of the legislation that we were um, advocating for, which was to make Silver Alert like an Amber Alert, where um, the, cell, the cellular systems, you know, um, phones would receive text messages when there is an elderly person with cognitive decline wandering, right? Um, it also enhanced our ability to collect data and um, on those individuals who go missing. And so it was, it was a huge success for us, and we're hoping that it had a great impact in the community um as far as saving lives all it takes is one right all it takes yeah. is one in that kind of situation it's kind of silly you know to think that that silver alerts were not on par with amber alerts anyhow but like that's that's a rabbit trail we don't have to go down but all it takes is one life one family to be affected and it's all worth it yeah yeah and that's that's our that's our view as well so um like I said, that is one of the things we're very proud of here in New Mexico. I know Tommy Hernandez, our public policy director, is working on lots of different things with different lawmakers here in the state. And um, we have a very good relationship with our governor. And um, we are very hopeful that we can continue to push forward our, our, prior, our public policy priorities. Mm -hmm. Our fourth pillar, um, it's one of the pillars, it's the pillar I oversee here in the chapter, and that is our development, our revenue pillar. Um, we are responsible, like I said, for our fundraising events. And that is what fuels all the things that I'm talking about that we do. Um, and one of the newest pillars that we have is the diversity and inclusion. So our association saw there was a need for us to make sure that we are reaching out to communities that maybe wouldn't normally come to us, um, that maybe don't have access to us, right? So we wanna make sure that our accessibility, our transparency, our inclusion, all those things are being handled in the right way in our communities. And um, we know that um, underserved populations, economically challenged populations, communities, are at highest risk for not getting um, the healthcare they need, right? They don't have access to healthcare that they need. And so part of our diversity and inclusion pillar is to make sure that we are engaging with those communities to make sure that they are getting what they need. And then our last pillar, which is the one you asked about originally, is our research pillar. Now, um, I'm super excited, and this is something that I don't know if you're aware of yet. I'm excited to tell you that recently our mission statement was revised. We officially came out with a new mission statement. It's the first time, I believe, in 10 years that we have a new mission statement, and it was voted on. You know, they, they 
they were working on this for quite a while, the board of directors, national board of directors, uh-huh. and our CEO. And they finally um, took a vote and it was released. And so our new mission statement, and I'm going to read it to you here, is the Alzheimer's Association leads the way to end Alzheimer's and all other dementia. That was key. They added all other dementia into our mission statement before it was just Alzheimer's. By accelerating global research, driving risk reduction and early detection, and maximizing quality care and support. Now, I love this new mission statement, Ken, because it's so, the language is so important when we're talking about what we're trying to accomplish in communities, right? Yeah. And that first statement in the mission statement, accelerating global research. Now, we have taken a stance to be the leading entity for funding Alzheimer's research globally. And that's our role. And, um, you know, in 2018, we actually took a really aggressive stance and we funded um, grants for over $30 million. We funded over 131 scientific investigations. And we are, yeah, I mean, it is, we're at, we are at a level of funding global research that no other organization is at. We are the third largest funder of Alzheimer's and dementia-related research worldwide. We only come in third place to two entities, and they are both governments, the U.S. government and the Chinese government. And so I think that's, that's to me, that's huge. that is one of the most amazing things that we are doing as an association. Um, our ultimate vision is a world without Alzheimer's. We want that treatment, cure, or prevention, mm-hmm. and we're dedicated to finding it in the next decade. And so we are aggressively funding research. Yeah, I, um, I've been thinking a lot differently about the whole idea of what it means to end Alzheimer's. Of course, you have this eye toward the future, toward a world without Alzheimer's when you know, we would hopefully be able to find, you know, through funding sources like the Alzheimer's Association, get it bringing communities together to provide funding for research. We'd hopefully be able to to come upon a cure for Alzheimer's. But on all those other pillars that you mentioned, I, I really appreciate you going through that because I think it can help folks to really feel good about you know, where their donations will go because they're, you're ending Alzheimer's on all sorts of different fronts. You know, ending Alzheimer's is something I think that, you know, theoretically could be seen as taking place when a caregiver has the education to care for their loved one in a way that improves their quality of life. Sure. You know, I think that those moments that can be produced through that education piece or through the policy piece, you know, um, you know, making sure that people are, you know, looked after well and they're protected when they can't any longer care for themselves, you know, those are ways that we end Alzheimer's too, like um, here and now. And of course, with that eye to the future that one day we would end it once and for all, but... Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation, Nicola. I really appreciate all the fantastic information. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, Ken. As always, it was my pleasure. Cool.